0: Log Talk Radio. Welcome to Thought Grenades with Robert Thompson and Mike Neese on Log Talk Radio. Robert is the author of The Offsite, Leadership Challenge Fable, and the founder of LeaderInsideOut.com. Welcome once again to Thought Grenades with Robert Thompson and co host Mike Neese. This is Monday, June 1, 2015, and as it looks like outdoors, June is busting out all over. And this is Robert Thompson busting out from the beautiful San Francisco Bay as we do each and every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific time, and joining me from the shores of Lake Michigan is my good friend and co host Mike Neese. Mike, how are you doing?
1: Very well. Thank you, Robert
0: to hear your voice. We've got a great show once again today. Stacy Feiner, author of Talent Mindset, joins us to share the business owner's guide to building bench strength. Our colleague Marshall Goldsmith says that Talent Mindset offers an entire platform that will change everything. Folks, if you have a question or a thought to share, please call in at 347-989-0965. That number again is 347-989-0965. And of course, never miss a session by subscribing to talk grenades on itunes that way mike and i are right there on your mobile device if you're looking for something practical simple and effective stay right here stacy it's good to have you on thanks for taking the time to be with us
2: well i'm thanks for having me i'm glad to be here
0: it's always good to be wherever we are right and where are you calling in from?
2: i'm calling in from cleveland ohio where we're playing really great basketball
0: Oh no, you're not. Well, <laughs> <laughs>
1: let's. Talk oh no, well. you're
0: not. I,
1: have,
0: uh, I have the power of of the delete button here, girl.
2: <laughs> well, we Cleveland yeah. really would love yeah. a wonderful win, and we need it, and we're working hard you to bet. earn it. You
1: bet. You bet. You well, you bet. yeah, yeah.
0: Well, the San Francisco Bay Area, Golden State, is what you'd call it. Um we haven't had one of these in quite a while either so we're we're pretty hungry for this one. We're we're feeling uh We're feeling pretty good. I know good. you uh, are. Anyway, I know you are. Thursday's going to be a good game. Yeah, it is going to be a good game. So anyway, a game is a game is a game. Uh, what fun. I didn't know you were from Cleveland state so what fun. <laughs> anyway, so your your book talent mindset. Um you say knowing your talent is as important as knowing your numbers. Why is that so important?
2: Well there are a lot of reasons for that, but as I began working more and more with middle market businesses and business owners, I realized that business owners could had a laundry list of financial experts to share uh financial data with, whether it was their CFO, their controller, maybe they have a finance department, their accountant, you know, for sure their their general managers who had P&L, um you know, and you could, the list goes on, their wealth advisor, their banking institution, their insurance brokers, you know, the list goes on. But when I asked business owners who did they go to or where did they find their talent data, the list was short, um, if if not empty. And it began to worry me that, you know, people, um, people drive the numbers. So oftentimes sure. the numbers sure. that business owners are looking at lag performance. And I thought it would be great for business owners to be able to understand their talent and get their talent performing to then, of course, drive the numbers.
1: You know, Stacey, I I thought that's pretty important that that was actually the first sentence in your book, Pass the Forward. So you obviously have that as part of your central theme. But I wonder, why don't we have those metrics that they can call upon who's? Is it HR's job to come up with them? Uh, Have we just overlooked that whole part of business?
2: Um, I think that's a really good question. Um, We don't, uh, you know, business owners. Let me start just back a little bit. In the early nineteen eighties, General Electric, Jack Welch, really popularized the concept of talent management, and he had a very, you know, GE has a very stringent and metrics-based process for evaluating talent, and in fact. Over the course of a year, they they force rank leaders force rank their first line direct reports, and the bottom 10 perf- percent of performers get cut from the company. And right. even the top performers, if you're not performing well and you're not progressing or prom- getting promoted every two years, you you could be at risk of being let go, or you're you know you're stagnant. So these tools and this General Electric story kind of. Um, permeated and, and, and um, cascaded into the middle market, but it didn 't translate well, and so business owners in the middle market are kind of left with a whole kind of pieces and parts of the of the talent management story of general Electric, and the tools don 't work they 're misapplied or they just don 't fit the middle market. And so I don't think um, middle market companies really have ever been introduced to uh, the good metrics or ways to develop or, or extract the metrics. And I decided that I would reinvent talent management for the middle market, and so i in my book and I'm happy to talk specifically on the call today about how um how to find the metrics and how important they are so that you can again your people drive the numbers, so how you can stay close to your people and understand what they need to again drive profitable revenue
1: yes yes, yeah. and indeed that's that's that that would be wonderful to go there I guess i'm I just wanna put one little quote on that discussion because I think you, you hit something that I see in business and I don't know if Robert sees this in his consulting as well, but so many companies like to cherry pick ideas and you know, lots right. of people fell in love with this idea of let's cut the bottom ten percent. Right. But but failed to adopt the rest of the system. So is right. is strategic talent management a system or is it a set of tools? What what do you got for us?
2: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I want to emphasize that, you know, they cherry, we cherry-pick. It sounds like a good idea. If it works for General Electric, it's going to work for my company. And you're right, they're, they're, they're picked from a system, and without the system, they don't work. It's interesting, just going back to the General Electric story, you know, really, the lesson learned from that process is that Jack Welsh had a philosophy. His philosophy then created unequivocal expectations for talent, and the unequivocal expectations led to leading with conviction, you know executing mm-hmm. with conviction. but the lesson is is that business owners really need to 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 um, to define their own philosophy of leadership and then create the and then design the processes to suit and serve that philosophy so I think in my in my experience, when business owners become clear with what they want from their talent. They can begin to design a process that's unequivocal in terms of the expectations and the ex- um, performance expectations. Um Very yes, good. my book is a system. It's um it's called strategic talent management. There are nine centers of excellence, three in each corridor. The corridors are talent acquisition, and talent acquisition is broken into um sourcing, so filling your pipeline Selecting, which is really rigorous interviewing, and then onboarding, which is taking all of that really expensive data that you just, you know, extracted from your, from your candidates and then positioning it and, trans, you know, translating it into an onboarding plan. Really important, very cost effective, makes your investment, makes your spend an investment. Then talent development is the second corridor, and it's about training. That's enterprise-wide training, a lot having to do with compliance and, you know, uh, handbook and policies and procedures. Then uh, performance management. So how do you have those really thoughtful one-on-one conversations? And then um, leadership development. How do you develop your top performers? And then I'll just quickly say in the third corridor, it's talent deployment. So that's where you have real agility. That's where your bench is really strong. And you can see your – you have a talent inventory. You can see your talent across the enterprise, right? That's really important metrics. Yep. Yep. Then you can do succession planning. You can move people. Um, you can move people based on the environmental the environmental conditions. And then finally, you have uh, an engaged um, – an engaged workforce, right. and by engaged, right. I mean they're productive and they have a can-do attitude. They have an ownership mentality. That's the process. And once you start with one piece, the the it naturally leads into the next. So once you start extracting really good data, you thought, oh, I can. This is really important for this, but I can really apply it to this, and then it naturally mm-hmm. builds itself. Wonderful, Stace. I wonder if
1: I can backtrack just a little bit. Sure. And have you defined for the listeners uh, when you when you say your focus is the middle market businesses?
2: Yeah. How
1: would you do, how would you define that for our listeners?
2: Um, privately owned, closely held, uh, owner operated. So I, I, I less about size. I would say you know these. I would actually say this. This thinking, this methodology, you know, developing a philosophy, um, developing uh, um, um, unequivocal expectations, and then driving yes. with conviction is for every single leader. It doesn't just have to be the business owner. It can be managers and leaders inside the company. But it's most effective when the business owner of a middle market company is able to own the philosophy and communicate that and then, again, build a system around it. You know, I'll just say, Mike, one of the interesting things is uh, there's a funny combination uh, that's part of this. One is is that you have to have some flexibility. So as you design your process, it has to be able to tweak and be useful to the people who are using it. It's not a rigid, but it has to be rigorous. So the rigor is where you have conviction, but the flexibility is where you adapt this process to the needs of the leaders and of your employees. So it's it's funny because it's not it's not um, rigid, but it is rigorous.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I don't know if you've seen this, Stacey, but sometimes it occurs to me it's oh, I would say in the recent history in businesses we have focused so much on finance and so much on the benefit of having an MBA. Which is very rigid. I mean, you can. The laws of accounting are the laws of accounting, and it doesn't right. really seem to me that we have anything near as similar when we talk about human capital. Uh, is that a fair statement?
2: I think it's a it's a very fair statement, and I think um, you know, I think just like when you're a leader and when you're looking to build your bench strength. You have Mm -hmm. to understand what you're good at and what you're not good at and then hire people around you to complement your strengths and your weaknesses. I think it's kind of true with... Talent, strategic talent management, and you know um financial tools and financial rigor these things complement each other. I remember a time yes, when I was yes. kind of early in my career. I was going up um uh, to a to the you know the mahogany row the the executive floor of a public company and um I was just hired on and I was riding up the elevator with the chief financial officer and um, you know, I don't think that he was that interested in liking me right away. But then I said to him, "I said, <laughs> you know what? You have the numbers, and I have the noise, and together, I think we can really serve the CEO. We can bring the whole story." And he gave me a punch on the shoulder. He said, "That's the best line. Let's, you know, let's do it." So I think there is. We have the numbers and the noise, and this is where
1: the this is where a strong story gets told. Absolutely. Very good. So let's let's move back into that, that that first box. So let's talk about talent talent attraction. Yeah. Um What's what's the lessons in in strategic talent management? I I, I love the categories that you had. Uh, I want to talk particularly about onboarding in a moment. But what's what's yeah. the key takeaways or important things for people to know about that attraction?
2: Well, I, you know, again, here's a little bit of a sports analogy. When you think about um, Successful football teams, I often use the Patriots only because I'm originally from Boston, but Belichick is not, right now, not, not the best example. But Belichick doesn't send his young recruiters to the top ten college football to do the recruiting. He sends his best talent. He sends his top recruiters to fill the pipeline, to ready new performers to round out his team. Um, I don't think we give that same kind of thought in uh to talent acquisition in business. In fact, a lot of times we put um uh, you know, early stage recruiters, um, you know, entry level recruiters on the on the front line to hire our talent. And I think that's a really big mistake. We really need our best recruiters. We need the people who are thinking about succession planning to be recruiting uh for our new employees.
1: Very so good. I think the I biggest
2: takeaway great. is that um you business owners have to ha- have to hang up an old assumption that talent acquisition is a necessary evil. We have to give up the fact and and change the belief that's that that recruiting is an expense. And we have to begin to think about recruiting and talent acquisition as as an investment, as a as, as a needed and important and critical investment so that you can bring people in develop them, and then deploy them based on the external conditions.
1: Yeah, it sounds, it sounds like we need to help people understand that the days of the personnel department are short-lived and the days of a true human resource department is what we need, someone to play I, play at the table, if you will.
2: I agree. You know, you asked earlier if this is the job for HR, and I, you know, my background, you know, I, I've been trained in human resources also. I think the frustrating component of human resources that is that really HR has been delegated, I'm sorry, has been relegated to. So it's kind of like, you know, let's just give that HR stuff or that human stuff to HR and let them figure it out. And we never do that with sales, you know. CEOs and and chief financial officers and, you know, executive teams are really close to sales. If sales aren't going well, you know, you look at your sales team. You look at pricing. You look at the market. You look at your competitors. you, You look at your product. But when your talent isn't working well, you just say, well, HR must not be doing a good job. And it's just not, again, it's not rigorous thinking. Business owners need an education kind of like what I've had to be great at my job, business owners need a similar education so that they know how to oversee and help human resources perform to their
1: expectations. Very good. Very good. Well, I I said I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, onboarding because I think it's uh, at least what I'm seeing out in the world of work. We can find great talent, but if they're not brought on correctly, they don't stay long. Uh, You know, they – people tend to want to bring what made them successful at their old company to their new, new company, and yeah. sometimes it's a culture clash. So what do yeah. we need to do about that?
2: Well, you know, onboarding is part of the whole recruiting acquisition or the talent acquisition process. So I would right. say right. if you're looking at the, the three pieces, onboarding is very – it's easy to make onboarding successful if you've done, talent, you've done your recruiting and your selection process well. And that's about building a hiring committee. You know, a hiring mm. committee, when you bring people together to think critically, you get better decisions. You get better you, you turn data into intelligence and when you have intelligence you can make better decisions. So I think onboarding is really the outgrowth of, of selecting your candidate, your new incumbent oh, well. So you take all of the data, all of those interviewing questions, all the assessment tools you've taken, you know, the, the, the discussions that you've had as a hiring committee, and you say, okay, we know this candidate really well because we're hiring them. Let's use all of the data and build a onboarding plan. Let's say, Let's tell our new candidate why we hired them, how excited we are. These are great things about you. This is how we had the conversation. These are the things we said, and this is where we think you're going to hit the ground running. We also know that we hire really to 70% to any job description. Usually Mm. people fill out 70%, 80% of a job description for the most part, and there's about 20% that that person is going to need to learn and round themselves out. We tell them that too. So you sit down with the candidate or the new incumbent and you say, these are the things that we loved about you and that we're really excited and that we're going to learn, and here are the 20% 20 of things that we're going to need to stay close to you on and provide you with, you know, more training and support. And we're going to have lots of one-on-one conversations, like lots of performance reviews up front rather than waiting too long, and so you have an ongoing conversation. And you do that for the first 90 days. That's you know, there the book talks a little bit more about the different types sure. of sure. onboarding, but I think I think really the other thing is you're inviting somebody to your family. Um I think you make the first day special, not just for that person, but for you know everybody around. You, you know that first day should be kind of in a, a party. Um, you know that that individual is you know dressing up and spraying cologne and coming in looking excited and being you know and and, and being fresh. And you want other people to experience that excitement too, or re-experience their hiring. So I
1: think mm.
2: I think you take advantage of the opportunity. Just like if you're in sales, every opportunity you have to be in front of a client, you take. Every opportunity you have to reignite energy in your company, you take that opportunity. And when you bring somebody on board, take the opportunity to be excited, the whole company, everybody.
1: Well, that makes me think, too, Stace, in terms of instead of acquiring talent, what about the talent that we've already got internally and developing that? Is that that what scenario two and three uh, yep, that's in
2: the perform- That's the talent development. So there's training, performance management, and leadership development. And you know, performance yeah. management. I know there's probably going to be new language for this in the coming years because people are so disappointed with the 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 lackluster of performance management. But again, talent that's in your organization, um, you, know, f- you know, wants an opportunity to grow and perform, just like. Um so I think the 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 point is is that the conversation isn't so much you're doing this well or you're doing this well. I think the conversation is what do you what do you need from me to to perform your job better? Mm-hmm. And what can I do to help support you do a better job or to feel good or to uh get promoted. Um you know simple things like let's look at the job description of the excuse me of the of the position that you're aspiring to, let's look at it and say these are the things you're really doing well, and these are the things that you haven't learned. How do you want to learn those things to prepare you for that next opportunity? Very
1: good. Yeah, it's is it, that what you're looking for? What, yeah, I, I am. You know, it's it's a question too. On uh, is there a role for the executives in these businesses? Hmm. Maybe that's not the right way to put it. Do we recognize the value of executives finding the talent internally? I mean, if we're going to use the GE example, yeah. that's one of the yeah. things—they've never had a CEO that didn't raise themselves. Right. Well, is, I think is that part of talent management
2: it sure is and it's in the talent it's in the talent deployment and again i'm not that rigid about these phases i mean the whole thing is one sure. big system it's like when you look at the body you know you go to a generalist the generalist takes your blood pressure it says a lot your temperature looks in your ears those are you know those, that's the generalist we're talking a little bit specialist now and i would say that there's the talent inventory and that's in the talent deployment space and what what business owners Really, are hungry for is an opportunity to look across, to have a uh, heat map of the employees across the whole enterprise, so that you know if you have twenty employees, a hundred and fifty employees, you can actually map them out in a nine box or a three by three, as I call it, and you can begin to look at talent from a couple of different angles. You know, you three dimensionally is the best way. Attitude, performance, or product. Let's see, attitude productivity and potential Mm. and when you begin to look at your talent in this way um, you have an opportunity to develop people up to to move people out to reward people for doing a great job in the role that they're doing and they might not you know they might have hit a ceiling but that doesn't mean they don't want more um scope of responsibility or more Correct. um you know or more responsibility within the role that they have, especially in middle market companies, there's not always a promotion to be had. And so if you we'll look say, at yeah. your talent yeah. across the com- across the company, you have an opportunity to deploy the talent in ways that you might not have thought possible before.
1: Well and I, and I do like I, I do like just to tease people to read your book. I love the categories that you came up with for uh, the tiers of employees based on potential and productivity. And I think that's a uh, – you, you've done a nice job of categorizing that. I, I wonder, to that point, um, let's give you a chance to sell a few more books here. What are what, what are the direct benefits of using that talent management system that you can point to?
2: Thank you. I appreciate your um – your uh, your interest in in my book, Mike, and I appreciate the compliments that you're making about how it's clear for you. I would say um, business owners should pr- should know you know a couple of of uh, staggering facts. One is it can cost ten times salary to hire the wrong person. If you do not give your employees, if you n- do not help your employees define clear goals and objectives. Even the most ambitious and on-board employee will perform only 60% to their potential. Yes. And if you don't have bench strength, if you don't have talent in your organization to move into different places, to deploy them, um, rather than going externally to the market all the time to bring in new talent, your company is at risk. The success of your company, the longevity of your company is at risk. So, if you look at the risks, I will tell you that strategic ma- talent management you know hands down mitigates those three risks, and the cool thing about this process is it goes hand in hand. it's not two different steps. If you mitigate that risk, it also means you're you're doing well. so it's a funny thing you get you almost kill two birds with one stone by mitigating sure, the risk, sure. you take advantage of the opportunity. It's not two different steps. You don't mitigate risk and then take advantage of the opportunity. Mitigating the risk is taking advantage. puts you in a position to take advantage of the opportunity. And the same is true. If you want to focus with strategic talent management on making things, you know, on improving this thing, it automatically mitigates the risk. So Very I done. think that's the exciting thing. If you're doing it well, it's credit to you. If you're not doing it well, it's, an, it's entirely in your control to fix entirely
1: and And, you know it's
2: yeah i'll just say two other things one is when you think about talent management um just like you think about other large initiatives or important initiatives it's a capital investment you know it's a capital investment when you build a new cd um center um central distribution center you know it's an it's a capital investment when you put in a new erp system uh, it 's a capital investment when you expand when you are thinking about developing your talent it 's an investment The purpose of an investment is to receive a higher r o i on the flip side but that's you, you know to get your head around this, you have to be willing i think to to consider the capital investment necessary. My book talks about in installing talent management over an eighteen month period so it's not in, it's not infinity. You know, you do it and then you tweak it along the way.
1: Um, well, I think and- I think you captured you captured that well, Stacy. Because I'll I'll sum it up, and I'll, we're running a little short on time here. But that idea of mindset is so important. Because as you're talking about capital investment, it's so clear to me coming out of operations when we put a new piece of equipment on the factory floor or whatever. Yeah. we're going we're going to do preventive maintenance to make sure that thing has a healthy sure. life. But yet we hire somebody, and the same thing often doesn't happen. And even though that capital investment in hard goods is a depreciating asset, I think the mindset is saying, look, we do this right. Human capital is an appreciating asset.
2: Yeah, that is a great point. Mike, that's a beautiful point. I I think I might have to quote you. (laughs) I really like that. I like that a lot.
1: I might have to, to jump back, back in to here. To help
2: us
0: close out here, yeah, I might have to jump back in here now that you're quoting him. I won't be <laughs> able, you know he'll ask for a raise and and then I'll have to give him more money, and then you know all kinds of things change and shift nothing, nothing uh Stacy we've true. only got it yeah we've only got a couple of minutes left. um your book is going to change everything as as our colleague Marshall Goldsmith says, what book changed your life?
2: That's a really good question. I'm looking at my bookshelf. I just turned around. I have my favorite ones. They're kind of like amulets. Uh, I would say that I really I loved... Um I really love the Malcolm Gladwell books. Um I love the one the 10,000 hours. Um Malcolm Gladwell, I think he you know, if you think about thought grenades, I think Malcolm Gladwell is, you know, if you're not the key, if you're the king, then Malcolm Gladwell is the is the prince of thought grenades. Uh he's provocative. <laughs> he asks good questions and um you know, I, I I, I think that that's a very powerful book. And I obviously I love Marshall Goldsmith's book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There, and I quote that book a lot. And I love, you know, I'll tell you, um, Jim Collins, this is a great, Jim Collins is known for the good to great book, but the book that I love the best by Jim Collins is How the Mighty Fall. How the Mighty Fall. Um, that's a startling book on how hubris, how successful business leaders get so um they end up feeling so um powerful they stop um they stop being critical of their own practices. Um and they
0: fall. Yeah, no, no, no. And I, I think that's where we are with the show. We we're, we're we're beginning to be less critical of ourselves and so we're beginning to fall. No, I'm just kidding. Stacey, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Really appreciate it. Uh, your book is excellent. It's called Talent Mindset, the Business Owner's Guide to Building Bench Strength. And uh we really uh, hope all of our listeners will uh, take a take a look at it. Casey, well thank you again. very
2: much. I use the little bookstore online called Amazon.com. So um <laughs> thank you very much, gentlemen. I, I'm much obliged.
0: All right. Thanks, take Susan. care now. See you later. Bye bye. Mike next Mike, next week we continue our leadership in the common Good team with Al Admanski, the community organizer, social entrepreneur, and the author of Impact, Six Patterns to Spread Your Social Innovation. Folks, this is Robert Thompson for Mike Meese. Thanks for listening to Thought Grenades from Monday, June 1, 2015. Thanks for listening to Thought Grenades with Robert Thompson and Mike Neese. Catch us live every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific on Blog Talk Radio or listen anytime you wish on iTunes.